Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and it's Where's the Trade Time on I'm the Gun, a feature on which I ask that very question out into the ether uh, without the expectation of an answer. It's just more of a an opportunity to highlight and examine a favorite uncollected comics run and recap a representative issue or story. Subject of this episode is DC Comics' Angel and the Ape, the humor title starring that titular detective pair, Angel O'Day and her private eye partner slash comic book artist slash gorilla friend, Sam Simeon. I'll begin by providing a little publishing history of the pair, and then uh, because the timing of this recording finds us in the maelstrom that is the holiday season, I'll recap an Angel and the Ape Christmas story that found its way into the mid-70s DC treasury classic, Christmas with the Superheroes. So the Angel and the Ape feature debuted in issue 77 of the tryout book Showcase. This was cover dated September 1968, reportedly the brainchild of longtime editor-slash-writer-slash-expert on all things DC, E. Nelson Bridwell. The creative team on those debut stories was writer John Albano, artists Bob Oxner and Tex Blaisdell, and editor Joe Orlando. That team would pretty much stay intact when Angel and the Ape graduated to their own bi-monthly title, except that Wally Wood inked most of the stories in that title. Premise for the book was fun. The pair would get into all manner of hijinks and adventures, trying to keep the agency afloat, and in Sam's case, trying to juggle two careers, and dealing with the public at large, who couldn't see Sam for what he was, and always mistook him for a very ugly person. And the situations Angel and Sam found themselves in got uh, even sillier. Swinging and silly, really, as they were published at the tail end of the 60s, and in between busting gangs of evil circus performers, or gangs disguised as giant pigeons, Angel had to fend off gropey hippies, while Sam had his hands full with a, a thinly-veiled Stan Lee parody, Stan Bragg, publisher-slash-editor-slash-credit-grabber at Brain Picks Comics. Eventually, Sam would leave Brain Picks for DZ Comics. They're working for fellow simian Morton I. Stoop, who I'm not sure was supposed to be a stand-in for Mort Weisinger, maybe? Or uh, maybe just an amalgam of different DC editors. This series was so zany, so wacky, and I was a little bit surprised when I learned that many of the stories were written by Albano, as I'd always associated his name with the earliest Jonah Hex scripts. And those are light years away from Angel and the Ape. Sergio Aragonese was credited with one story, and that, that I can see. There's a little bit of a madcap, mad magazine feel to some of the sight gags, and it's because of those gags that I can see why Bob Oxner was also credited with co-writing a few of the stories. Some panels are so dense with gags not found in word balloons, I'd wondered if some were just thrown in by the artist. And the art? The art was a big part of the appeal of this series for me. Yes, yes it was funny. Crazy. Much more so than any other DC book that uh, I'm usually drawn to. But the versatility that Bob Oxer and Wally would bring to the table helps make Angel and the Ape such a pleasure to read. I don't immediately go to Bob Oxner when I think good girl art, but just looking through these pages filled with go-go dancers and the ever-present Angel O'Day, who, as drawn by Oxner, is an absolute smoke show, 
With a wardrobe that would make Veronica Lodge jealous, this art team's ability to draw the female form is pretty obvious. And uh, speaking of Veronica Lodge, uh, just a little tangent here while I'm thinking of it. There's a really cool Instagram feed out there called Riverdale Fashions, which I encourage you to check out. Pretty self-explanatory, but it's uh, amazing the number of unique outfits worn through the years by Betty, Veronica, Archie, Sabrina, everyone in Riverdale. When you see them in this format in an Instagram feed, you can appreciate the craft that goes into designing wardrobe after wardrobe. And uh, while you're on Instagram, uh, be sure to check out comics couplets there too, huh? Anyway, back to Bob Oxner, Wallywood, and uh, the Smoke Show. I mean, Angel. There's so much more going on as that borderline cheesecake is balanced with the not-at-all-realistic cartoony depiction of Sam Simeon and a wide range of various characters. Caricatures, really. And a well-drawn variety of locations. Everything's thrown in, like high-rise office spaces and dark, creepy mansions all found alternately and inconsistently in New York City, or the completely fictional, only in a DC comic, Fun City, depending on which story you're reading. And the relationship between the good-natured angel and the rough but equally well-humored Sam is fun, kind of like a brother-sister thing, and it's pretty funny that though uh, Sam can speak in gorilla ease, Angel's the only one who understands him apart from us, who have the benefit of translated word balloons. So, crazy, fun stories, really well drawn. And uh, despite issue number four's questionable, insensitive approach to depicting Asians, which made me blush a little bit overall, this series makes for, for good comics. And oftentimes good comics don't catch on, and this is the case with Angel and the Ape. It lasted only seven bi-monthly issues. The last one was titled Meet Angel. And there was a lead Angel Angel solo story, but the rest of the book was filled with Angel and Sam features, so this was a, a change in name only and apparently didn't help sales at all. After the cancellation of their series, the next time Angel and Sam would turn up would be in March 1975's limited collector's edition number C-34 better known as Christmas with the Superheroes. Tis the season for Christmas podcast. I'll take that one, Clark. I'm Kyle Benning, and I love Christmas. I love comic books, so I really, really love Christmas-themed comic books. And so I want you to join me for my 12 Days of Christmas podcast from December 13th through the 24th. The episodes are available on iTunes on the King Size Comics Giant Size Fun podcast feed and at the show headquarters located at www.kingsizecomicsgiantsizefun.blogspot.com. I hope you'll join me. Merry Christmas. Christmas with the Superheroes, a a fantastic treasury-sized package. Featured five stories, a calendar, Christmas cards you could cut out if you were crazy, trivia questions, and no new material, kind of. Five stories consisted of a Batman story, Teen Titan story, Captain Marvel story, a Superman story, all Christmas-themed, and they were all reprints. 
smack dab in the middle of the book was a quote-unquote new Angel and the Ape story. But considering the look of the story, the creative team on the story, it just ended up being a six-year-old unpublished tale. Maybe slated for a non-existent eighth issue of Meet Angel? Who knows? Sadly, mention of this Angel and Sam story is found nowhere on the cover. The Treasury has a great-looking Nick Cardi cover. Santa Claus, Soups, Bats, shoulder-to-shoulder with Cap and the Titans. The whole group surrounded by a large reef. And the back cover has headshots of said heroes decorating glass ornaments. But poor Angel. Poor Ape. Not even a glimpse. Not a blurb. Well, to me, I'm just going to pretend that the Angel and the Ape story is the Christmas present wrapped up in all this other nonsense. So the story, called the $500,000 Doll Caper, was written by John Alvano, illustrated by Bob Oxner and Wally Wood, and edited by Joe Orlando. That's the classic Angel and Ape creative team. As a wacky humor story, I think it will defy my normal recap style, uh, but I'm going to give it my best shot. (laughs) We open on a snowy day at a taxi stand outside of a busy New York airport. A rude man with a suitcase pushes past Santa Claus, who's apparently waiting for a cab. The jerk jumps the line, steals Santa's ride, but then immediately finds himself in a fender bender with Angel O'Day. The taxi driver confronts Angel, and when he quite rudely calls her stupid, she reaches back to clock him, but the driver ducks and Angel ends up decking the rude, line-jumping passenger who'd got out to hurry things along. Angel, who we've been shown in issues past, is an expert at judo, karate, and other forms of hurting people, sends the guy reeling, and the contents of his suitcase end up strewn all over the road. His contents include a doll and some other junk. Later that morning, the rude man reports to his boss... That he is now, somehow, Sans briefcase. The boss, named charmingly Mr. Stooge, sits on basically a hard wooden throne emblazoned with a dollar sign, which then, as it does today, paints kind of a negative picture of Mr. Stooge. Plus, his name is Mr. Stooge. Well, Stooge reprimands our unnamed briefcase man, calling him a fool for losing the, the briefcase and the doll inside into which was sewn a $500,000 diamond. Stooge calls to Boing, his, his muscle, who resembles Frankenstein's monster, and has Boing drag away briefcase man. This Boing character had been teased on the cover of a couple of issues of the series, the last three of them, I think. Uh, The Angel and the Ape covers never really had much to do with the stories inside. They were Kind of like Archie covers in that way, but yeah, there was a Frankenstein's monster that showed up on a couple covers. Never found his way into a story. Until now. So Stooge orders other men gathered in the room to fan fan out throughout the city, round up every doll they can find, and track down that diamond. Meanwhile, Angel, a pretty little doll under her arm, meets with Sam, who's been uh, waiting for Angel for two hours. By the way, during Angel's little stroll to meet Sam, she passes a a restaurant window and catches the eye of a diner 
inside. He was pouring wine into his wife's lap. It's a funny little gag, and maybe might be an example of something that Oxner, or even Wally Wood, may have improvised. And the uh, panel almost reminds me of something like a New Yorker cartoon. It's a clever little caption away from being a New Yorker car- cartoon. Anyway, before Angel got into her little fender bender, turns out she was actually to have picked up Santa Claus, THE Santa Claus, at the airport, and with him collect from around the city toys that have been gathered, toys that are in need of repair. Well, the accident wrecked that plan. Santa must have found his own way home, so now Angel and Sam are to visit 20 neighborhood stores which have collected toys and deliver them to Santa's workshop, which I always thought was at the North Pole, but it's apparently within driving distance from New York. Hey, I never said this story was going to make any sense. But it's funny, while Angel and Sam make their rounds, you see gangsters collecting toys of their own. They're dragging dolls of all kinds into their vehicles, sometimes even with little girls still attached to them. One of the gangsters catches sight of Sam's car. Yes, Sam can drive. He can drive, he can draw, he's a he's a multitasking gorilla. This gangster sees that Sam's car is full of toys, so a group of thugs pile into a car and follow Sam and Angel all the way to Santa's workshop, which being just a panel or two away might be right down the street. At the workshop, Santa greets Angel and Sam warmly, saying, It's nice to see you and your friends. Angel doesn't know what he means by that, uh, but then she sees a group of fedora-wearing gun-toting gangsters there who immediately demand that they hand over all the toys. One of them makes the mistake of telling Sam to let me have it. And Sam does. He lets them have a sock and a jaw. And Sam hits one into another and the impact is so great that one of them's pants come off. And that's happened a couple of times in the series. I guess kind of a visual shorthand that Oxner uses to show a guy really gets clocked. He gets hit so hard that knocks him right out of his pants. And then Santa and the elves get in on the act. Santa says, I'm against violence, but they were trying to steal our toys. And he grabs one by the head and slams it into his bowl full of jelly, while four elves manhandle another gang gangster. It's really cute, kind of a Tom and Jerry type violence. Seeing an elf just wail on a guy's head with a, a hammer while another has the guy's thigh between his teeth. Sam puts the finishing touches on the rest of the gang, save one, who steals Sam's car, still full of toys, but he doesn't look where he's going. And a truck carrying a cargo hold full of explosives just happens to be speeding down Santa's street. And we get my favorite comic side effect, Baroom. Fortunately, the truck drivers survive the explosion, though the same can't be said for the gangster, or Sam's car, or most of the toys therein. Uh, the only thing still intact next to the huge crater in the ground is a familiar little doll, one we'd seen strewn on a street after the first little fender bender and the one Angel had tucked under her arm on the way to meet Sam, and uh, one which one of the truck drivers picks up, and after examining its 
slightly toasty condition, claims uh, it's not even worth a quarter now. Meanwhile, at Mr. Stooge's place, a visitor arrives, a Professor Sharp Eyes, who's uh, anything but, as he's addressing a painting on the wall, and needs to be turned around to face Stooge. I love these Dickensian names, by the way. Professor Sharp Eyes reports Sam, Angel, and Santa's capture of most of the gang, but claims that uh, he may have a solution to the private eye pair. He's invented a corruption bomb that, when detonated... Anyone, any good person breathing the fumes will become evil. Stooge likes the plan, so later, Sharp Eyes drops by the O'Day and Simeon Agency's office and delivers a wrapped present. When Angel opens it, a gas fills the room, and suddenly Angel and the ape don't get along so well. A caption says the professor induces the pair to join forces with the Stooge gang, and we... See a little montage of Sam and Angel rounding up more dolls in the city. Sam even holds up a little baby in a carriage at gunpoint. Oh, poor baby. So with the toy drive crime wave sweeping through the city, the uh, police response is to send a couple of cops undercover. Two big bruisers disguise themselves as a, as a mother and a baby in a baby carriage. And sure enough, as they walk through the park, they're held up by Sam and Angel. Well, Sam gets a double shot. The cop posing as the mother whacks him in the head with a baton. And the baby <laughs> gives him a shot in the gut. Poof. Angel's rounded up too, but as the pair are driven to the police station, Sam realizes the head blow cut through the effects of the corruption bomb. He's himself again. Realizing there's only one way to help Angel, he gives her a bonk on the head. Bonk! When the paddy wagon reaches police HQ, it's discovered that Angel and Sam have escaped. They move to confront Stooge and his gang, but first Angel puts in a call for help at a payphone, immediately after which a dog-grabbing gangster sees them and escorts them at gunpoint to the Stooge residence. There, Stooge is snipping the heads off a pile of dolls, looking for his precious diamond. And when Sam gets rough, Stooge calls in his big muscle again, boing, Sam asks Boeing where he got his name, and he gets his answer when a punch sends Sam through the floor with a boing. Professor Sharp Eyes makes the scene with a new dose of gas, but at the last second, Angel redirects it towards Stooge. And just then, the reinforcements arrive that Angel had called in. It's Santa and the elves. And the elves wrap up Boeing while Santa introduces some of the other gang members to his powerful tummy. Amid the chaos, Stooge, who's experienced an interesting effect to the corruption gas, runs into the room holding piles and piles of cash. Two million bucks, which he wants to donate to buy Christmas presents for children all over the world. So in the last panel of the story, a little epilogue, Angel and Sam stroll down the street discussing Stooge's fate. Angel says eh, he only got 30 years in prison, so he'll only be 116 when he gets out. And Sam says, yeah, lucky he didn't get life. <laughs> and through a shop window, we see a, a television newsreader talking about a truck driver who was rewarded $10,000 for finding and returning a precious stolen diamond to its home in a museum. 
a nice little wrap up, little twist there to a, a crazy Christmas angel in the ape style. Uh, I like this story as much as the other holiday classics in this treasury. And unfortunately, to this day, as with uh, the Angel and Ape series and the tryout and showcase, this holiday tale remains uncollected. And uh, this would be the last you'd see Angel and Sam in any significant amount for a very long time. They'd pop up in little cameos and in, in an anniversary issue of Showcase and in Crisis on Infinite Earths about 20 years after this story saw the light of day. It was a revival miniseries in 1991 by Phil Folio, which uh, I think tried to capture the spirit of the original series, but also attempted to tie the concept to the DC Universe, which could have been a disaster, but I don't think enough people cared for that to, to happen. <laughs> Making Sam the grandson of Gorilla Grodd and Angel the sister of the Inferior Five's dumb bunny is a cute idea, uh, but I think this concept works best when kind of off in its own nutty corner of the, of the DCU. Another decade passed before Angel and Sam popped up again. They got a Vertigo miniseries, which I thought was pretty good. Different take. But then we wouldn't see them again until the 2013 series Joe Kubert Presents, which I had no clue about until I heard it mentioned on Kyle Benning's War is Hell podcast. So thanks, Kyle, for bringing this to my attention. Uh, in that series, there's a six-part serialized Angel and the Ape adventure written and illustrated by Brian Buniak. And these stories with their 50-50 mix of wacky tone and sex appeal, I'd say... I'd say these come closest to matching the tone of the of the original run. And I think that original run would make a great collection. The showcase issue, all seven issues of Angel and the Ape and the Christmas Story. I guess we'll have to wait for the Angel and the Ape animated series to be imagined, announced, debuted, and made a huge success on Cartoon Network before we'll see a, an Angel and the Ape collection. I... Anyway, I'll be putting some images from the Christmas story up on the blog. I'm the gun.blogspot.com. Some uh, really wonderful cartooning there. On the blog, you'll find some contact info for me, should you want to get in touch. And I think this is as good a place as any to acknowledge some folks who helped promote the recent episode of ITG's ABCs on Twitter. ABCs is a feature I do spotlighting stories found in anthologies and in backups. Uh, in the episode I did on the, the last story from... The Flash 80-page giant number two got Twitter likes and retweets from the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Thank you, Professor. The Longbox Crusade, Justice's First Dawn, Martin Gray, Joe Crawford, and uh, Warlord Worlds. Thank you, folks, for helping spread the word. Okay, I want to thank you, all of you in earshot, for listening to this episode of Where's the Trade? And I want to take this opportunity to... Wish you the very best 2017 possible. Take care.